marvelous. How wonderful. Yes. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Come on, son. Hallelujah. Come on, give him a praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. chance in the world of preaching you're gonna to have to come on come on my brother y'all welcome pastor Ron Cox to Mauriceville Assembly of God thank you brother we well, all done wonderful How'd you like to have a task like this when God's already, you could almost cut the presence of God that I sense here. You know? Um, I want to assist. I don't want to I don't want to hinder anyway. Thank you guys. Let me just get right in. Let me talk to you. You may take some notes, and if you don't, I just, uh, thanks, J.R. and Heather. You're so real. You're so honest. You're so hungry for God. It's more than method now, the hunger for God. See, I've told a lot of people the answer really is not, I don't think that the church, that we're not full enough. I think we're too full. I think we need to get empty and allow God's space to be God totally inside of us. Let me just tell you, this is just kind of a prelude, but I thought about this and I read it the other day in the book of Numbers. <clears throat> the people were assembled around the tent of meetings where God's presence was, and they were in, I, I believe it was, they were facing that direction, and I believe they were in church because it says while they... While they ministered to one another, they they were uh, complaining and 
doing all kinds of stuff and trying to measure up one to another. They were in church and it was just normal. It was, uh, hello, we're in church and it's wonderful to be in these four walls and to feel God, and it is. The glory had suddenly, as they were facing that, something happened that was not on the agenda. The glory of God appeared. You see, I honestly believe that there's two words that we use. We use the word anointing, and we use the word glory. We mainly use the word anointing. The anointing of God is what God does in us, through us, for us. But when His glory shows up, it's what God does in us, through us, for Himself. I believe God is about to send His glory. So while they were ministering one another, stay with me, the glory of God appeared. Something off schedule happened that they wasn't, they longed for, but they wasn't prepared to receive. Suddenly, when the glory of God appeared, outside, does this sound familiar to our day? Outside, while things were going on, there appeared a plague the worldwide plague, really. 40,700 people perished in one day while they were inside of church having regular church. Well, are we prepared for this? It's affecting us. Suddenly, the glory of God appeared inside of that church while the plague was killing people. Aaron the high priest realized how insufficient he was in himself, so he ran to the altar, and he took a censer, and he said, I have got to capture the fire. This, what's going on, is beyond my pay grade. So he put fire in a censer. Now watch. He takes the fire from the altar, and he runs into the midst of the dying the dead and the dying. With watch this. With in one hand, he embraces the fire. In the other hand, he takes a hold of the dead and the dying. And he stretched out his hands. Fire and death. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It's not I, but it's Christ. Do you know of anyone who was in this posture that you wouldn't be here if he didn't get in this posture? The fire in his hands he takes and he stands between the living and the dead. That's where you are. You don't have the power in yourself to do that. Here's what happened. With one hand, he grasped to the fire. He longs for the fire. With the other hand, he touches the dying humanity. And he cries out, oh God, I don't have it what it takes. But I offer myself. I'm not fire in myself. But I'm going to hold on to the fire. But I don't want you. I know you cannot do anything for the dead and the dying. Unless you do it, please don't let me just talk about fire. Let that fire pass through me. 
and then out the other hand to the dying and the dead. I don't have the fire. I'm not, I'm not the fire, but I want to be an extension cord. Would you let the electricity flow in me? Do it in me first before you do it through me. That's the power of revival. Revival is a church word. It must happen in us first or we have nothing to give to the dying. A hand, listen to me. You write, write this down if you're taking notes. A hand on the grasping to the fire of God alone without reaching out to the dying. Here it is. Boy, I tell you what, I know our world is dying, but we're having church. A hand on the fire alone without on the dying becomes blindness. You become blind to the need of others. It becomes about escapism. It becomes about retreat. It becomes about holy huddles. Are you following me? Are you listening to me? But the dying keep dying. It becomes about blindness, a hand. But yet a hand on some churches decide to go this route. I'm going to put my hand on the dying out there, the plague. We're going to have programs to win the lost of our city. But they have no desire to grasp the fire. A hand on the fire alone produces blindness. But the hand on the dying alone produces burnout. You don't have the power to change that world out there. It becomes a social gospel without power. It becomes a program, a systematic way you do things. Are you following me? Salvation Army started out on fire for God. But after a while, they became a social gospel. And the inside of grasping to the fire was gone. What is becomes about burnout. But a hand both on the fire of God and on the needs of man will become about breakthrough as it passes through you, such as I have. Give I thee, I can't give you anything that I myself am not willing to receive. That's what it's about. Our effectiveness and our protection in these days is not going to be found in our methods. I'm not against methods, the latest or the systems or the programs or the numbers or the buildings or the budgets, but it's what kind of heart is this church going to allow God to receive from you? Are we ready? I want to go back a little bit in history at two incredible times. I was present for one of them. Many of you young folks was not present for either one of them, but it happened in America. We just wasn't ready. We underestimated the power of the enemy. Here 
just the first one. If we'll put up the picture, American sailors, it was a beautiful day in Hawaii. They weren't ready on Sunday, Sunday morning, December the 7th of 1941. They weren't ready. It was just a normal Sunday morning. People tucked their Bibles under their arms, and they went to church on a beautiful day in Hawaii. As the sun rose over Pearl Harbor, but suddenly, look at me, this is true, 7.55 a.m., 190 Japanese aircraft launched from six aircraft carriers that had silently, listen, you got to get this, they silently slipped into the harbor in attack distance. What's going on out there as we sit and have church? What are we unaware of? 190 launched silently in the harbor, undetected. Why were they undetected? Within striking distance, relentless bombings. Here they come. The tranquility was disturbed. Suddenly, Silently shattered the picture, the picturesque morning, and suddenly leaving behind. It all happened in one hour and 15 minutes. One hour, 15 minutes. The tranquility of my life was shattered. Leaving behind, are you ready? 2,404 American soldiers dead. 1,145 wounded, five battleships destroyed, two destroyers reduced to rubble, 21 ships severely damaged. President Roosevelt stood and said, this will be a day that will live on in infamy. Go with me closer to my day. The next battle, would you show that picture? Some of you only remember that from history. I remember that day when it happened. We'll never forget it. Who can forget September? We're about to celebrate it. September the 11th, 2001, 8.45 in the morning. Our tranquility was shaken. Is revival something we can put off? Is it how urgent it is to you that you become all God wants you to be now? It was just another beautiful day. It always is. In New York, 19 Islamic terrorists hijacked four American airlines with nothing but box cutters. They crashed two of their planes in the trade tire, there was one of them. I remember Katie Kirk. I remember that day I was watching. She said, look, there must have been somebody, some pilot, the plane era. What happened there? What happened? And then suddenly we see this other plane float in. Boom! The second one is hit. She said, wait a minute. This is not pilot error. This is purposeful. Aren't you excited you came today? Then one hit the Pentagon. One crashed into a field. Flight 93 in Pennsylvania. 
thanks to some brave people on board that kept it from where it was going. Could have been the White House or whatever, the Capitol. Both of those stories is that an enemy drew near to us, but we wasn't drawn nearer to him. And in the midst of that, our awareness. I want us to look at a story together. Pastor, 12 o'clock, right? In our story, we're going to look at it. 1 Samuel 13, you, uh, you can look it up on the screen. 13 verse, uh, 1 Samuel 13, verse 16 through 23. Let's just look at it. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, and the people that were present with them abode in Gibeon and Benjamin, but the Philistines encamped at Michmash. Go. And the spoilers came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. The enemy, the enemy did a blitzkrieg. He came from all directions. You got to cover every front. You say, well, I only got this. I, one day I'm going to give this to God. He's blitzkrieging us. You got to give your whole life to God. Watch. The Philistines, one company turned into the way of the lead of the, and the, uh, the line of the shoe. Keep going. And another company turned and went on, and look into the valley of Zebram toward the wilderness. And then now there was, look at that verse 9. Would you just say that top verse together with me? There, what now there was what? Say it again. No blacksmiths. What has that got to do with anything? Found throughout. All the land of Israel, not one blacksmith. In a time like at Pearl Harbor or 9-11, the enemy was skilled at his plan. Is there any relevance here? Said lest the Hebrews, why would they take away, why would they take away blacksmiths? Are they holier than somebody else? They're the ones who made the weapons. They're the ones who, who made, put inside of man the spirit of warfare. Look at that. Lest the Hebrews make the swords and spears. Keep going. But all the Israelites, isn't this a sick picture of bondage and servitude to our world? we got to start serving God more than this world. All the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his, his uh, farming equipment. Next. Yet they had no file for the mattocks and so, so cutters and so forth and axes. Would you sharpen? Would you sharpen my... I, we, we don't have anybody here that even desires to sharpen anything. We don't know how to sharpen anything. We're just, we, but we have a beautiful church and we love one another. The enemy comes into the harbors. We got to have a move of God. So it came to pass in the day of what? Say it, in the day of what? Do you think we're in a day of battle? What are you waiting for? This ain't it. This ain't it. What is it going to look like? 
In the day of battle, that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand, not one sword, not one spear in the hands of any of the people that were with Saul and John. But Saul had one, and Jonathan had one. All of the armies had no weapons to fight with. How do you fight if you don't have the equipment to fight with? Are you seeing this? Stay with me. Listen. Then we look at, what is that, verse 20? Look at verse 23. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the passage of Michmash. you got to understand that's where Saul, that was within striking distance. And Israel, God's people, his church, was left with no blacksmiths and no weapon. Do you feel weaponless? Or do you feel you're ready for the war? Listen. They set out in verse 22. Look at verse 23. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the passage of Michmash. They set out on a search and destroy mission. Armed and poised and ready for battle. Listen to me. Listen to me. God is ready for the battle. How many believe? How many don't, you don't believe God is wringing his hands, do you? Say, oh, I didn't know this was going to happen. I, I believe I'm like you, saints of God. I'm scared to death. You think God's wringing his hands? So how many believe the enemy? He's ready for battle. Only revival makes us ready for battle. God's got to raise up blacksmiths who now know how to make swords again. The enemy, over time, see, backsliding doesn't happen overnight. Backsliding is a little justification here, a little here, a little here, until after a while, you don't realize how far you've turned from God. It's little by little. You don't go from fire with God to boom, backsliding. It's little by little. The form of godliness with no power. Stay with me. The enemy had disarmed the people of God strategically. He don't do it overnight. Strategically, stripping the land, first of all, of all weapons. Sound familiar? Second Amendment. Sound familiar? Of the spears and the sword. Then he took away the only ones who had the skill to make them, the blacksmiths. There was no passion inside the people of God for the sword of the Spirit. I don't want a mere emotional revival. I want a sword revival. A one that rightly divides the word of truth. Listen, in our text, everybody was ready but to church. They denied Judah's effectiveness. People of God, listen, they had an insufficient army. Well, I don't know what we're going to do. Our church is going down. Our church is down. I, I just tell you, this thing is just, and I know there's been challenges. 
There's no implements of weapons or warfare. Nobody wants to help us. There's a cry for revival in me. What am I going to do? There's no swords, no spears to defeat the enemy. Taking away our protection and making us more vulnerable than we've ever been before. Look at verse 2. 1 Samuel 13, verse 2. Saul chose him 3,000. Saul was backslidden. Chose him 3,000 men of Israel, whereof 2,000 were with Saul and, and, one, and 1,000 was with Jonathan. You see that right there? He chose how many? Let, let me show you how it was outnumbered. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel. How many did they have? You ever feel outnumbered? Come on. You mean this church? This church could be an instrument of revival? What? He had 30,000 chariots, 6,000. Oh, boy, he knows how to flaunt 6,000 horsemen, people, they had as many people as as the sand on the seashore. Look at that. Look at that. And then we read about in 1 Samuel 13, verse 16 and 18, they saw the condition, took the blacksmith, took the swords, took away a, a, a desire for a move of God, took away a desire for the Word of God. I'm busy! I've got, I cannot use this sword. Now listen, the enemy came against them from all directions. We talked about that. And look at verse 6 in 1 Samuel 13. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a fix, straight, for the people were distressed. How many, come on, let's all admit it. Have you felt a little distressed? All of us have. Watch. Is this relevant to our day? Felt felt distressed? Then the people, what did they do? Did they say, we're going to have revival? What did they do? You can hide sitting on a church pew. In the heat of battle, Look at that. They hid themselves. Oh, you can get creative in your hiding place. Caves, thickets, rocks, high places, pits. Saul had the coolest place in the shade of the pomegranate trees where he could eat pomegranates and the juice run down his mouth. Oh, you know, this is a felt need gospel. Just as long as I'm I'm being satisfied, what else matters? In the heat of battle with such odds staked against them, with an enemy that had moved within how far? Remember the two beginning pictures? Four miles! A contingent of the Philistines. How close is the enemy to us right now in America? I don't know, but he feels close to me. Does he? God's people responded by finding that's not my, I'm not putting my dog in that fight. Caves, thickets under pomegranate tree due to fear and desertion and low desire for conflict. 
They went AWOL. Defected. Preachers are leaving ministry by the dozens because they don't know how to rally those that have gone AWOL. The opposition seemed too great and the battle seemed too involved. Are you facing anything? You know what? I noticed today, it's kind of strange. That guy that was playing the guitar, he was playing that thing that just went through COVID and went, and he was jumping and playing that guitar. You gave a message and he prophesied. On a Sunday, you didn't even know he was going to be here. Don't you count God out and what he wants to do today. Just because the church is talking about a coming battle doesn't mean she is prepared for that coming battle. Talk is cheap. To add insult to injury, in 1 Samuel 13, verse 19, again, I want you to see it. Now there was what? No, say it. No blacksmiths. No blacksmiths found in the house of God. The Philistines dismantled them. They could have killed them. They could have enticed them, offered them more money. They could have captured them. So listen, God's people not only had no regards for the weapon, but they had no means or desire or know-how to get into the Word again. Listen, the situation not, was not only bad, are you listening? But there was no chance of it getting better. Come on, let's use our brains, not our hearts. I said there was no chance of it getting better. And you want revival in that backdrop? The enemy had done the same thing, and he has done the same thing to the church today. Suzanne and I travel all over. He has disarmed us of the Word of God. We are satisfied today to be food-fed a 30-minute sermon on Sunday. And live our life Monday through Saturday as the enemy draws closer. Stay with me. I'm an old preacher man. I've been past, just because I've been walking with God doesn't mean that that's an automatic idea of, of a maturity. Just because you live long. I know some older folks that are so cranky. Oh God, please redeem them. I tell you what I am. I'm hungrier right now. That's all I am. I'm hungrier right now. My wife is listening to me. I'm hungrier for God right now than I've ever been in my life. I've seen church. I know the operation of church. I pastored one church 35 years. He has disarmed us. We're satisfied to be spoon-fed a 30, you gave me a little bit more time than 30 minutes, right? To be spoon-fed that little message, that little shot in the arm, and then I go out the rest of the week. 
and I have no sword. Causing us to live by feelings, popular opinion, and entitlement. God, why aren't you coming through? Why aren't we coming through? You got the sword? The sword says, thus saith the Lord. How many know that the sword of God's word has a two-edged sword? Remember when Jeremiah told the people, judgment is coming, you must repent. They went to the preachers. The preachers knew how to heal them quickly and superficially. Hi, it's good to see you. But they had no word. And they came out, and he said, judgment's coming. And he looked at the priest, Jeremiah did, the weep, weeping Jeremiah, and said, you have healed God's people superficially. You've you have. The word of God is a two-edged sword. It, first of all, will cut you open. It'll go down into areas of your life that you don't even know about. And it will leave you open until the abscess bleeds out. But what we do today is we don't want to offend nobody. So we let them cut open. They come to an altar and we let them, and then we sew them back up immediately. So the abscess remains on the inside. God, keep me bleeding on the inside till all the abscess is gone. Instead of thus saith the Lord, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Read the word and it will read you. The less word we embrace, the greater our darkness. You cannot fight this battle until this Monday through Saturday. I'm not talking about a Bible scholar. You got to pick it up again. It's the only answer against the enemy. We've lost the cutting edge. 2 Corinthians 10.4 We fight with weapons not of this world but by the divine power of God to demolish strongholds. Ephesians 6, put on the helmet of salvation and put in your hand the, the sword of the Spirit. Look at verse 20 and 21 of 1 Samuel 13. But all the Israelites went down to the Philistine. A enemy. I'm on, I got to, you know, look, to sharpen every man. It was the world sharpening. What was he sharpening? There's nothing wrong with that. They had to eat. But we have taught the church that as long as God blesses me and I'm filled up, that's all that's necessary to be sharpened in my life. A felt need. You can have your dream. Believe in your dream. Believe in what God wants to do for you. Oh, it's about me. So we go down and let the enemy sharpen our sword. I mean, our plowshares, that which is external, not that which is internal. Look at Isaiah 13, 22, and this is frightening. Look at it. Verse 22. It came about on the day, passed on the day of battle, there was no sword found in the hand. They were not ready God must raise up blacksmiths. Pray. You got some blacksmiths. I witnessed that. 
There's some of, and I'm not talking about just your work and your business horizontally. I talked to some of you about an internal hunger for God. Listen to me. There's a blacksmith. You, some of you women are saying, man, that's all about men. I don't have muscles. like I don't either. I used to have a little muscle up here, and now it all comes down here. But I'm not talking about an external. Ministry is not an external function. It's an internal condition. We've concentrated on the external. I don't believe in sloppy agape. Make it cool. This is a cool church. But at the same time, he cries for God to do something internally that this cannot do. A pew or a carpet cannot do for you. What is a blacksmith? It's someone not surrendering the word into the enemy's hands while we, while we sleep in our spiritual hammocks. What is a blacksmith? It's a heart that's not willing to surrender God's word into the hands of false compromising teachings or institutions of learning. Our institutions of learning are dismantling the sword from our children's hands. Are you following me? I'm talking about a blacksmith heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I don't know how to not sin unless I embrace the sword. All Scripture is given by inspiration. What for? For doctrine, reproof, correction, righteous living. <laughs> His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Jesus, how did Jesus overcome Satan that day? Say it loud. It is you ain't tempting someone that don't have a sword. It is written. And hell shook. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I just read a latest statistic of Barna. Barna is a, a statistical man about church things. And he talked about Christian people. People who were regular Christian adults. Listen to this. He said in his interview of thousands, in honesty, four Christian adults involved in the church, four out of ten, had no regular prayer time with God. Only four out of ten. Four out of ten? And we live in this day? <laughs> you, need, you need to come up with better preaching, brother. Oh, really? I'm doing the best I can. The enemy's robbed us. Listen to this. Barna also said, and this was worse, one out of ten of those committed Christians, supposedly, one out of ten spent any regular time in the Word of God. Have we been disarmed of the Word of God or what? The worst, most lethal thing that could ever happen in this church is for a spiritual revival to hit us without a scriptural base involved with it. He's taken away the blacksmiths. He's claiming territory he has no authority to possess. 
We live in a day of accelerated erosion of morality. You wouldn't believe our kids now, my, my grandkids now go to this cool school in our area. It's a growing area. It's got a big old gold dome. I mean, it looks like something in the capital. 300 and some million dollars the building cost. Oh, it's cool. But all the warfare and the curriculum that is dismantling blacksmiths from our world today. Claiming territory. Gender confusion. An utter disregard for the sanctity of human life and the unborn. And the sanctity of marriage is being dismantled. How can a society survive without that? The rise of secularism and pluralism in our land today. We find ourselves living in a challenging and rapidly changing time. Global pandemic. I don't even understand. I mean, I believe in the. Uh, we, ha we had COVID. And we got our shots and stuff. You, can't you imagine somebody like me that has to have one of these things on his mouth? Blah, 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 blah. Riots, political division, Christian values openly being threatened, even by those of our own pastors, that they literally, I've talked to pastors who educationally are above me, they believe that this word conflicts itself. Conflicts itself. That's the new cool. You're not smart enough. You're old-fashioned, Ron Cox. Let me be old-fashioned then. God is calling each of us to arise in, in, in intercession. What happens in prayer is we get to tell God what's on the inside of us. What happens in the, when you read the Word is God gets to tell you about Himself. <laughs> now listen to me. Intercession will make His church a lighthouse of guidance in a dark and dying world. The blacksmith. There's the sword. Blacksmith. What is he? Why is it Robert? I'm talking about an internal state. He sits and he hammers. First of all, listen to me. I want to show you. God raise up spiritual blacksmiths. But listen to this. Deuteronomy 8. Don't go there. But it said the people of God who lacked swords were walking on the surface of a land. It says they lived in a land where the stones were iron and the hills were filled with copper. God, do something for me. You see, quick fix revivals is not going to come through a preacher with his hanky, whether it's that low or that high. It's going to come when you as a young person, or mom and dad, the sword you might not even understand it. I read a lot of this and I don't understand it. How many can read it? I read the book of Leviticus and it's like reading a dermatology manual. Read it anyway because it'll read you. What do you have to do? 
God, where's the sword? Why don't you do something? And you're walking. We don't. We want a revival that's manna-fed. We want manna to drop in our laps instead of getting a pick and a shovel and digging it out. Revival is not for wimps. It's for blacksmiths. Dig it out. Stay close to the fire. Don't let the fire go out. You got people in this church who won't let the fire go out. Fire, you ain't going out. Not in my church. Not on my watch. It's taking an unshaped and hammering it. The hammer blows of conviction. We've lost that. You're going to warp the saints of God if conviction comes. Ease up on the noise of conviction. We travel all over. Big churches, little churches. They slave at the fire ballast. I'm going to be done here in a minute. From digging out the raw materials deep in the ground through the smeltering process to the crafting out of the iron. They stay with you. They go from the raw material all the way to the completed sword. This is a sword? Yes. Yes. Manna revival don't last. It don't last a day. It's gone. But a blacksmith who will dig out. Trust God. It'll produce in a... Listen to me. Listen. Israel ignored the fact that the enemy was on the border ready to come. Listen. Seek me daily. If you will follow to know me, Hosea says, then the showers and the latter rains will fall upon you. Let me give you a couple things and I'm going to close. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. is not holding the fort. Faithfulness is storming the gates. Faithfulness, the core sin that's in the church today is not adultery or gross sins. The core sin is selfishness. Enthroning ourselves and our desires. And we preachers want numbers at the expense. We want to preach a felt need. God cares about your need. But I'm going to tell you, you ought to care more about what he longs for than what you long for. We are preaching a convenient, comfortable, non-confrontational gospel that is allowing people, watch, to allow people to buy in without selling out. Listen, a pick and choose, cut and paste, expecting all that God has to offer without giving up anything myself. All of us want to spend eternity with God, don't we? How many want to spend eternity with God? We all do. But many of us are not interested in spending time with God. You want to spend eternity, but not time? We stand and stare from a distance, satisfied with the superficial. The church is filled with sightseers. We shop for churches today like people shop at Walmart. 
I, I talked to a man back in the, I was talking to him out there in the hallway, and he told me, yeah, I've been in this church 20, I left one time, but I'm back. This is church. This is my church family. Been here 20-some years. Church is not a spectator sport. You hear me? You can't go to church. How do you go to church? You are the church. Church should be happening where you are. You're not going to close out church after this service is over. Church is scattered where the dying are. We want joy, but we want it without sacrifice. We want success, but we want it without failure. We want gain without pain. We want a testimony without a test. It ain't going to happen. God is about to raise up a generation of blacksmiths. I'm the best closer in town, about less than five more minutes. Listen to me. Those who won't give up when times get tough, those who won't allow the dead embers of past victories to replace the present fire of God in their life. There's so many people longing for the past victories that they had. What kind of non-power is in that? They want to be caught. They won't be caught without oil in their lamps as a blacksmith. They won't be intimidated entering into a narrow gate with a few just so they can be popular to enter into the broad gate with the many. Now, my church don't do that. Nana, all you ever do is put a Holy Ghost spin on everything. <laughs> is there any other spin? Those who won't constantly live without a heart of repentance. A desire to please and serve God. Now, this is the last. So here's the enemy. A contingent of about 250 moved to a little mountain peak. Saul was in the pomegranates having their little nestled meetings with only two swords. That ain't that important. I'll get my fix on Sunday morning and I'll do my thing Monday through Saturday. Jonathan decides, in 1 Samuel 14, verse 1 through 3, let's look at it. This kind of brings my conclusion. 1 Samuel 14, 1. Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto a young man. What's that young man's name? You don't know him? And some of you said, I ain't that guy. God is going to use more no-name people than you ever knew in revival. Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man that bore his armor, come, let us go over to the Philippines. They're right over there. They're looking down on us. They're too close. This could be Pearl Harbor. They're too close. Garrison, that is on the other side, but he told not his father. That was Saul. Sometimes your hunger for God, for those who enjoy sitting under pomegranate trees with the juice of pomegranates, you don't need to share your hunger for God with everybody because they ain't going to buy in on it. But how many know if you're determined to be a blacksmith and a breakaway remnant that God will never let you climb any cliff by yourself? 
Listen to this. Jonathan decides he couldn't live under the pomegranate. He would rather pick a fight than pick another pomegranate. A half acre of land. He didn't tell anybody. He slipped away from the camp. I'm tired of this retreat, he said. I'm getting out of here. I'd rather die in my own blood than to die not fighting. I ain't going to live like this no more. I'm going to believe God. You got a pastor and a wife. And many of you, I got to be honest with you, I'm not trying to put a crown on you. I'm not saying you're, but I hear and I sense the beginning stages of a real move of God. But I want you to listen to the old guy, okay? Only four miles, he decide, I'm going to slip away and I call it a remnant breakthrough. And look at verse 4 of chapter 14. And between the passages, they came, they went up this cliff. The garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side. I hate that. I thought when I decided to be a remnant, we're going to go in, we're going to be putting our head down on Mr. My Pillow. You see, when you determine you're going to climb in between two sharp rocks and it will cut your flesh on your way up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Revival is not for wimps. Jonathan decided he couldn't live, so he moved. Look at it. Verse 4. Jonathan and his armor bearer, when they decided to go by faith to do something for God, they went up. Show the picture of them climbing up the hill, would you? The picture of Jonathan. There. Look at that armor bearer. He's one sword. Who's that up the top? That's the enemy. Let me tell you something, Pastor. You're, you're desiring something that above you is going to be an enemy that says, you're not going to see this happen. What does this matter? We got thousands more. You're going to be harassed and the enemy's going to try to stop this church from a cry for revival. There will be those from the top that will intimidate, but keep climbing. Jonathan and an unnamed armor bearer went up the hill. Look at verse 6. Did he have it all figured out? Look at verse 6. Chapter 14. What did he say right here? He began, and Jonathan said to the young man, I've got this plan. All of these leadership gurus gave me the plan for revival. <laughs> the young man said that bore his armor, come and let us go over into the garrison of those uncertain. What, what is the next word? It what? So have you ever really, will you serve God even on a maybe before you got it all figured out? Will you move if you know it's right and the rocks are cutting your flesh and you're still going to keep climbing? 
There's times in my ministry and life, I just saw my little daughter the other day, the same nursing home that my wife was in for 24 and a half years. My first little daughter has already passed and gone to heaven. My last one is now in the same nursing home. It was the hardest thing in the world to walk those tile floors. I said, I started my ministry. Now, I walk the same floors with my last daughter. I'm not trying to play. I'm just telling you. A move of God is not for wimps. It's for blacksmiths. Oh, I feel God. Mocking spirit of hell came. But they went on a maybe. Our God can say by many or by few. Jonathan was a God-gripped man. When you decide by faith to do something, others will join you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can take a little rock. You can look across the water and say, all I am is a little pebble. Throw that. I can't get across the other side. Throw the rock in the lake. There's called a ripple effect. That ripple from that little tiny rock will reach the other shore. You cannot determine by how small you feel as to the effect of what's going to happen. Listen to me. God, in verse 15, and we're, gonna, we're not going to go through all of that, but suddenly when man decided to do what man could do, can I can look down? When he decided to do what man could do, just keep going. Keep going. We're going to have revival in this church. We're going to have revival. Whatever that is. Whatever that is. I've had moves of God in my church, but I don't think we really know what we're headed for. I don't think we really know what God is going to send. He's got to send something huge for us. Pastor, I don't, none of us are ready for that. We're not ready for that. But just keep climbing. And if the rocks cut you, keep climbing. Yeah! Keep hammering. Stay by the fire. Blow it if it's going out. Blacksmiths come to this church. Finally, when you do all you can do, suddenly an earthquake came. How many know that if you'll do what you can do, God will do what God can do? How many know you ain't going to have revival just by what you say? But if you'll say what you can say, God's going to come with supernatural enablement. And guess what happened? All of the enemy left. Saul's hiding under people. Some of the guys said, hey, look at that. That thing is shaking. They came out and joined in. You don't know what you can do. Revival will bring people out of hiding. Then they'll come. And guess what happened? And this is it. After it was over, the enemy was gone. Many of them went back from the Philistines. Camp. I personally, I don't know if it's true, but I believe personally it was some of those blacksmiths that had left previously. They rejoined the people of God. They had been traitors. How many know God can even save a traitor blacksmith? He'll come back to God. They came back. And guess what happened? Saul was still religious. Don't eat anything that's on the ground. God coated the ground with honey. <laughs> How 
many have ever gone through a struggle and you thought all it is is sour lemons and after it was over, God coated the ground that you stood on with honey? With honey. He's done that for me, Pastor. I've eaten honey from my battlefields. Saul said, don't eat, don't eat, don't eat, don't eat. Loss of whatever. Jonathan, his son, dipped his spear and ate the honey. Samson was on his way to Timnath. A lion wanted to devour him. He destroyed the lion. He came back later and the carcass of that lion was rotted. Guess what happened? The thing that wanted to destroy him, God used the carcass of that decaying lion to produce a honeycomb. And he went, bees were buzzing, and he pulled honey out of the carcass of the past battle. Listen to me, church. Here's, here's what I'd like. Those of you online, if you're still online, God bless you and thanks for being with us. It's just the cry of a guy that just wants God. I used to know everything, and now I know about two or three things. <laughs> but I know in whom I believe, and I'm persuaded that he's not even yet began with his church. I want you to stand with me, and I want everybody for just a moment. Those that you feel comfortable, if you don't, that's okay. You can sit back. But I'd like for you just to come and just stand here for just a moment. We're going to have one final prayer, and I'm going to turn it over to the pastor. Would you just make a, a little way for kind of a, a gathering together for just a moment? Those of you who feel comfortable. What was that song you sang, Pastor? The last one that you sang. Huh? About... Huh? How marvelous. Did you get that message that I said? I mean, I hope you did. I'm just telling you what you're contending for. You're not going to have a revival without getting cut by the jagged rocks. But it's going to be worth it because supernatural power is coming. The enemy is going to be defeated. And you're going to taste the greatest honey. I've watched you down through the years. They don't even know you like I know you in the past. I watched you when life was falling. It seemed apart. You gripped to the hands of a wheelchair. I watched it. I hear your cry. I hear your wife's cry. You're one of the most purest. I'm not saying you're holy, holy, holy. I'm saying you've got one of the purest hearts of anybody that I've ever seen. I love your children. How many love your pastor? Listen to me. A couple of you men, I want you to come. Warriors, any blacksmiths in the house? Come on. Maybe there's only one. You got a sword? Got a sword? Show the picture of the blacksmith. Ladies, tonight Suzanne's going to. This one message tonight she's going to preach. And you started off with 
a singing on flames and fire. Tonight, she's going to minister a message called Flaming, Fanning the Flame. If that ain't, I didn't even talk to her. This is one message from God that's going to be, I feel God. Hold it. Sometimes we think in Pentecost we got to pull a, a rabbit out of a hat or ding you on the head with a magic wand. It's the hunger you have for God. The hunger you have for God. How many in this place? You got children far from God. Let me see your hand. Children far from Keep it up. In revival, I'm going to make an, I'm going to make an announcement. Keep your hand up. Keep the robe ready. Cook the celebration meal. Don't neglect it. I speak unto this atmosphere. The prodigals are coming home. Come home, prodigals. One of the first ways of revival is going to be our children of our own that are come to God. Then you won't have to worry about creating a heart in your people for the lost. God will do it. Touch your pastor. Touch your pastor. Give him blacksmiths, women, men, young people, children. Give us swords. Let prayer and the word of God, let revival be on those two foundations. Above even his incredible preaching. And I want you to take a heart. Listen, I'm going to tell you something, folks. Listen at me. You may have never heard this before. You think revival is our cure-all. It's not. But revival is going to bring our children home. Jesus is not willing that any should perish. It is harvest time. Some preachers act like it's just you bring in this guy in a white suit and he's going to answer all your problems. That ain't true. God is not going to let his glory be stolen by any hotshot preachers ever again. Never. Humble men. I was with him all day yesterday. He was off there and said, how are we going to get these little stickers off of those chairs? He came to me. You know what he was excited about? He said, man, I got over here today and our folks were sitting in those chairs. Is that spiritual talk? It is fabulous spiritual talk. It's a man that's willing to cry. I wouldn't give you a dime for a man that couldn't cry. He ain't a real man. Blacksmiths. Unnamed. Warriors, go up the mountain with him. 
Go up the mountain with him. God, through his power, is about to... I, I don't want to say this lest you, you get caught up because pride is so easy to get a hold of all of us. But I sense here a rawness, an open simplicity that's ready for God to do something. Some of our pastors are not yet ready because they're still trying to reach a certain number. They love the church that they're dreaming about, but they hate the one they got. Young men, I don't want a move of God without you beside me. I don't want just a bunch of old guys like me going up a hill. I don't want. I'm going to tell you, get mama disturbed and she'll go before Esau and melt his heart before he gets there. The one who rocks the cradle is going to rule this world. Give us women blacksmiths from the inside of you. Fire! I'm going to hammer and I'm going to grind and I'm going to cut away the unsmooth places in my life. God! I didn't know I had to keep hammering. Keep hammering. Keep hammering. Something is on its way. Lift your hands. Sing that, sing that song. Lift your hand. Don't look to somebody else. Don't even look collectively. Look to you. Say, would you put me close to the fire? Sing it right now. Dig it out. Dig it out. Touch your men with the fire. Touch your men. Touch your men. Blacksmiths. Blacksmiths. Women, Mama, keep the robe ready. A party's going to begin. They don't. The devil don't have the power above your intercession to keep your children much longer. They've got to come home. Claim the lamb for the household. Claim it, babies. Claim it, Mama. You don't know the power that's involved in outstretched hands and tears. Go, son. Go, son. Sing it out. Come on, sing it. Touch our baby. Touch our girl. Right now. Oh, you know the truth. In this heart, I raise girls, women, blacksmiths, right now. Fire of God. I don't want her to be anybody but who she is. But who she is is going to make a difference. Come, Father God, touch our blacksmiths. Touch our blacksmiths. Touch our blacksmith. Touch our blacksmith.
Touch our blacksmiths. Touch our blacksmiths. Give me your hand, buddy. Touch our warriors. 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 We gotta have it. This is not an option, guys. The enemy is at the door. He's in attack mode. Don't be fearful. We got a savior that's overcome it all. Woo! Touch your warrior. Fire. Touch your warrior. Your blood bargain. Touch your warrior. Today we claim sin. Come on, just for a few minutes. Let now God speak to us. Down and I'm inadequate. Now God wants to speak. Send your promise. God wants to speak. Love your warrior. Sin I love you, warrior. Today. Sin this is the power of the church. This is the power of the church. Sin this is the power of the church. Sin this is the power of the church. Sin Sin Start. For power to walk. Glory to God. 
Make it your declaration this morning. Come on. Come on. Make it your request. Make it your declaration this morning. Send the fire. Bye. 